0: Welcome once again to the Power 5 Mentality Podcast, the first and only podcast discussing mid-major marketing, creative, and more. My name is Scott Peace, and I'm the Associate AD for External Affairs at the University of Evansville. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host and co-worker, Emily McMillan, Assistant Director of Media Relations and Creative Communications at U.E., Today, we are joined by Emily Wido, Social Media Coordinator at Liberty. Emily is a graduate of Minnesota and has had stops with Gopher Sports, Minnesota United FC, Blue Ox Hockey, the Minnesota Twins, and the Salem Red Sox. She's also pursuing her master's degree in sport administration at Liberty while overseeing social media for the Flames. Emily, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, other Emily, this is probably going to be confusing um, throughout the rest of this, but power five mentality, Emily, if you could give us a, um, a little overview of what we'll talk about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Double the Emily um, in today's episode. So we'll walk through um, Emily's experience in her journey to liberty, and we'll also touch on her social media and creative experience and her approach to that and her passion to promote women in sports in general. So with that, we'll turn it back over to Scott to talk about the uh, University of Minnesota.
0: Yeah, so uh, you attended the University of Minnesota for undergrad. Can you just talk a little bit about um, your experience on the educational side and um, what that looked like for you?
1: Yeah, so um, grew up in Minnesota, went to the University of Minnesota. You can probably hear that in my accent. Um, Graduated in 2018 and Crazy enough, I studied nothing related to sports. Um, I didn't even really grow up in a family that was very passionate about athletics or sports in general. Like I grew up playing basketball and softball, um, but my dad could honestly care less. He'd rather be in the woods hunting than watching a sporting event. Um, And my mom wasn't like super interested. So uh, my passion for sports, I don't know where it necessarily comes from, but I'm thankful that I have it. So I studied business, political science, and leadership in college. And my senior year, I was at a point where I didn't really realize what I wanted to do next. Um, It was kind of a scary place, but most seniors, I feel like, go through it if they're not dead set on something. Uh, And I was invited to the Super Bowl came to Minneapolis that year. um, And I got an invite to this women's summit that the Super Bowl hosts in every um, major city that they go to. And I got this invite and I'm sitting in this chair and I'm listening to Ro- Roger Goodell talk and women like Michelle Tafoya and some other you know, higher up VPs in the organization of NFL. And I'm like, I could do this. Um, I was very involved in the sports community at the University of Minnesota. I was like the athlete, non-athlete. Most of my friends played um, either volleyball or on the basketball team. A lot of the football players. Um, I was actually at every <laughs> football game Um, throughout my college experience, except the weekend that I went hunting with my dad. Uh, and because of that, I was crowned this uh homecoming queen my senior year. So that was kind of fun. But um, all those things coming together in the Super Bowl and everything, I had made the decision, this like spark, I wanted to pursue athletics. I wanted to pursue a career in sports. I wanted to combine my passion that I had for them and this business experience that I earned in my undergrad and just go for it. And so my like last three months, two, three months of undergrad. I sent an email to our communications director, Mandy, um, and just started talking to random people that I knew were around them. And I was like, is there anywhere that I could help right now? I have no experience whatsoever, but if you just like throw me somewhere, shove me anywhere, like, I just want to be there. You don't have to pay me, whatever. Um, and she invited me to her office and we talked and she's like, yeah, I'll have you hang around softball and baseball. Um, So I got my start in softball and baseball, covering the Gophers. um, And that year was the year the Gophers went to super regionals and we hosted um, a regional as well. So I was given, I was in charge of social media, oddly, and I didn't really have social media myself at that point, which it's like wild how I ended up um, managing it as a profession right now. Um, But they gave me the Instagram story and I was doing live tweets through Grabio with their SID and just running around kind of just being a part of the experience and I loved it and so because of that um, was how I started like just getting my foot in the door I hate using that term most people do but honestly just like throwing my name out there trying to make relationships not necessarily looking for a job um, was definitely the springboard out of my undergrad into the profession that I'm in now.
0: Well it's interesting to hear you talk about that because it seems like that's almost been a constant theme over the last year that we've done this is that You know, everyone's start has been, you know, they set up a meeting with someone in the department, someone who's willing to not only talk to them, but give them a chance. Um, And that's kind of sparked a career. And I know I could speak for Emily and I, I'm sure you're the same way. Um, But I love getting those emails from someone who takes the initiative to reach out and wants to be involved. Um, So it's just funny to watch that come full circle. And it's it's interesting to hear your start. Yeah. We've definitely had, you know, obviously this is a mid-major centered um, show, but we've had a lot of people with Power 5 backgrounds, whether educationally or professionally or both. Um, How would you describe um, the University of Minnesota to someone who hasn't maybe been there or knows too much about it?
1: Well, that's why one of the reasons why I was crowned the homecoming queen is because of my passion and love for the school. So you're about to get the full download. Um, University of Minnesota, it's my like happy place. I love it there. I would love to go back and work there someday. Most of the people there know that. Um, But the University of Minnesota, it is rich in its culture and history. It's one of the older universities in the country. We have really strong traditions, which definitely um, boosts our, um, our athletics, especially when we are not always the best in terms of productivity and competition on the field. Um, some of like our football teams, not necessarily like, it's not Ohio state, we know that, but I love gopher football with all of my heart. Um, and it's because of those really strong traditions and our marketing department behind the scenes, continually pushing those every single year and bringing in, when I was like a freshman, you're almost like indoctrinated from the very start into gopher culture. Um, and it becomes a part of you from the very beginning. We have our convocation and you learn all of the University of Minnesota chants and you learn what it's like on game day. And then homecoming rolls around, you're wrapped into the culture of the university. And so it's really hard to get away from it even once you've graduated and like, now I work for Liberty, I will always be a Gopher fan because of that. So um, very, like I said, very strong tradition, a lot of people who love the school. And even if you don't go there and you end up working there, plenty of people I know still, I see them on social media, they still cheer for the Gophers everywhere they go.
0: I love that. I love that. I really do. Um, and so some of your other experience, um, a lot of experience in a short amount of time that we were talking about before we got on here, um, most of which in the Minnesota area. So you've had some different marketing positions with a couple different teams, um, starting with Minnesota United FC. Talk about um, some of those experiences. Um, you teased the national anthem story with the twins, which I'm very excited to get into in a second. I can only imagine what, where that's going. But um, start with the with the soccer team, and just walk us through some of the experience and the different lessons you learned in those yeah. positions.
1: So, like overall theme of my career so far has been, I'm I'm a go getter type person. Like I'm the person that's inserting myself in situations, good or bad, and like I'm the one that's like, I know what I want, and I'll go get it. And yet, every single position I've held so far has honestly fallen in my lap so it's just kind of a very funny story of how I ended up where I am like with gopher sports like I did initially like reach out but the fact that I was like placed in this position without really like trying was like oh okay um, and same thing with the Minnesota United I got connected with final four was coming to Minneapolis as well and so I got connected to Ivan who was in charge of the final four stuff And he met with me and gave me a list of names on a um, sticky note. And one of them was a woman at the Minnesota United. And then she, I reached out to her and we went and got coffee at Starbucks um, and just chatted and just talked about, you know, my career aspirations, what she does. Um, She was in charge of marketing and promotions. Kara um, was in charge of it, that at the time. I don't know where she's at now, Um, but nothing came of it. And I was bumming around for the summer, you know, interviewing with like the Minnesota wild. Um, I was interviewing with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Lynx. Um, so I was in these rooms and positions that I had no places being in with absolutely like 10 minutes of experience with the Gophers. Um, and Kara actually emailed me out of the blue, like two weeks after our coffee meeting and was like, Hey, I have this job. Would you want it? And I was like, yeah, sure. It was only part-time, but I realized that Unfortunately, the path to sports is kind of, you kind of have to pay your dues and you have to take the lowly jobs and part-time. And um, thankfully I'm privileged enough to have a family where they were able to financially support me through that, um, pursuing my dreams in that way. And so I worked in Minnesota United and that honestly consisted of, you know, finding people on game days that had passes to go to different areas. So I was babysitting essentially fans when they got brought down to the field. So it's kind of like the face of the Minnesota United, more of a customer service type of thing. Um, And then I would work with our players. So whenever they had signings, um, I would follow them around to the different suites and make sure that they um, were where they were supposed to be and that the fans were treating them correctly and all of those sort of things. And that was every home game um, did that. And my next position, which I can get into because it overlaps a little bit, which was the Minnesota Blue Ox. And they are a junior hockey team in Minnesota. It's a huge culture there. Um, Hockey is obviously a huge part of our our lives up there. Um, And that happened because one of those days that I wasn't working with United, I was walking in Excelsior, Minnesota, down the street, getting ice cream or something. And I walked into this coffee shop. And I was with my boyfriend at the time and he like disappeared. And I was like, oh, where did he go? And I came around the corner and he's talking to this man. And this man ended up being the guy who was the part owner and head coach of this hockey team. And I saw this pamphlet on the table with the Minnesota blue ox. And I was like, oh, like, what is this hockey team? I've never heard of it. I like sports and that's how the conversation started. And he's like, oh, I own this team. I was like, oh, I work in sports. He's like, oh, we're looking for someone that could do marketing and promotions for us this season. Do you want the job? I was like, sure, I guess. So all these like positions so far have been basically me just different, right place, right time. I don't know, somehow people seem to like me (laughs) and they just offer jobs out of the blue. So that was like the gist of my summer. Um, and how I kind of got into marketing. So at this point, I don't really think I have a very strong formalized understanding of what marketing is aside from, you know that front facing facing fan promotion where you're interacting you're playing games, you're engaging with them with the players or other like on field experiences. So that's kind of how I got my like little brief start that summer Um, and it's just wild how that all happened to me.
0: It sounds like you're the type of person that's in the right place at the right time. A lot of
1: times. (laughs) It's really lucky. Really lucky. So Uh, in
0: addition to all of this, uh, you've also spent some time with the twins.
1: mm -hmm.
0: Um, so tell us what that looked like as a production intern and then be sure to include your, your story with that.
1: Absolutely. So the Minnesota twins have my heart. Um, they were the very first sporting event I ever went to as a child. Uh, and they were kind of the only team that I really cared about besides from the Gophers when from a Minnesota sport perspective. Uh, and I had a friend who was an intern, their internship program. I will definitely blow it up. It's one of the best in the country by far. They have like 50 of us come in and basically run everything that summer from authentics to IT to production to HR. Like we get integrated into the organization. And so I had a friend who was in the HR department for that internship. And I just got the job at the Minnesota Blue Ox, but knew that I needed something more substantial. And I was still in the process of convincing my parents that I was worth the financial burden <laughs> at the time because I wasn't making enough to definitely sustain myself. So thankfully they allowed me to move back in. I was living in the basement, you know, being a, a teen again. And I got through the initial interview process. So this is another like, didn't apply for the job, but got it anyways. Um, And their process, you get to select the top three intern. If you get to that like part in the process, you get to select out of all the different internships. If you could choose where to go, where would you go? Um, No guarantees you're gonna get an interview with that department, but if they like you, they'll call you in. Well, I got interviews with all three of the departments that I picked um and then was requested for a fourth uh and I got the sense from one of my interviews that it wasn't um, it wasn't are we gonna hire you or not we just didn't know where to place they didn't know where to place me and so Sam who became my boss saw my video, saw my resume and was like I want to interview her and it was the productions internship and I never heard of productions in my entire life but thankfully Sam knew better than I did um and it was the best interview I've ever had in my life um it was scheduled for an hour and it went an hour and 15 so if that says anything um I got picked then to be the productions intern without having a single clue what that even meant and so with the Minnesota Twins if I could have this job for the rest of my life I totally would unfortunately it's only an internship but I I thrived Um, So I was a part of planning things like opening day and Joe Maurer's retirement or inviting um, local Minnesota, either like high schools or universities that won championships to come be honored at Target Field, Um, help plan like Hall of Fame weekend. And then I was down on the field executing those um, sort of days. So from you know, like the timing sheet to writing the script for our announcers to um, making sure that everyone was organized. It was kind of like I would say, like herding herding cats sort of thing out on the field, um, and then making sure everything was down to the minute so first pitch was able to be thrown at seven o five, right? So. I had a blast. Like I was in charge of everything. I would say like, that's one of my skill sets is like organization. And so being able to do that and then do it on like such a big stage was a blast with my favorite sports team. Um, And so I tell this story of getting into the national anthem because it truly is one of the reasons why I, when I'm exhausted and I am, you know, burned out from doing my job, I think back to what this type of industry can mean for people. So I was also in charge of planning like national anthems. So I would reach out to and invite different people to come sing for us on game day. And there was an email that was sent to the owner of the twins, Jim Polad, from a friend of his. I was copied eventually on this email chain that it was sent to the president, then my boss, then me. And I was the one that was honored to reach out to this man whose lifelong dream bucket list item was to sing the national anthem for his hometown twins. I think he was probably like in his seventies. Older man, like I said, and I called him and he was ecstatic, like absolutely over the moon excited. And the day came for me to go grab him and his family who came and like, he was coming to sing and they would not stop hugging me. The dog, his daughter was crying and all this stuff. And I, I remember thinking on that day to that crowd of 40,000 people that came to watch. That was just another national anthem. That was just another guy singing our like, nation song for before a baseball game. But for them, like that was it. Like that was that, was that man's dream. And like the, his family will talk about that and remember that for generations to come. Like remember when grandpa went and sang the national anthem at the Minnesota Twins. And like we record the videos and we send it to them and pictures and all those things. Um, and that, that specific moment like just stuck with me and also changed kind of my career trajectory too because the owner of the Minnesota Twins took notice of the way he was there. Um, he didn't show up very often, but he did that day. And he took notice of the actions and the things that I was doing. And he actually came up and he spoke to me. Um, and I had, he's very fly on the wall, not a very like big type of like bullshitter type of dude. And he was like asking me questions and talking to me and saying that like he had heard great things about me. And I was just like absolutely blown away that this billionaire was like talking to me and like thanking me for what I did. Um, and after my conversation, he essentially alluded to like, why wouldn't I want to be the president of his organization someday? Cause I told him that I had a dream to become an athletic director or some type of leadership position where women aren't very prominent. And he essentially said like, why don't you wanna be the president of the Twins? And so when I tell people now, what's my dream job? I'd love to be the president of the Minnesota Twins someday. And so that's kind of on my list but that story of the National Anthem is I think just a good reminder for all of us that like these little moments could be a day in day out daily grind to a lot of us but to the fans that we're serving and engaging with like that could be a lifetime memory for generations to come.
0: Well, that is an incredible story. And I'll admit that's not at all where I thought you were going. I thought it was going to be some kind of wrong song was played in no. place of the national anthem type of thing. So I'm so glad you shared that because that's better than I could have ever imagined that story being. So I love that. Um, well, wow, you have a lot of of great experience. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the Liberty stuff. So Emily, I will pass it over to you to talk um, some of the current stuff.
2: Yeah. So now you're at Liberty. Um, Just talk a little bit about what your role looks like there. And just because I think everyone's role is set up a little bit different. So I think it's always interesting to hear exactly what not day to day, but just like your overall job description.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, even in the time that I've been at Liberty and talked to other non-Power 5 and Power 5 schools, the structure of you know creative departments is so different and so unique um which you'd think there'd be kind of a blueprint by now but there really isn't uh so i ended up at liberty after my time with the twins i briefly spent time with the salem red sox so i moved to virginia which is where i was now um and COVID happened canceled our season i cried a lot <laughs> uh when baseball was canceled and then cried when it came back um but I, again, another situation where I was in the right place, right time, wasn't looking for a new job. And someone told me about this position at Liberty. And I was like, that sounds great. That sounds perfect. Cause I also was figuring out, you know, going back and earning my master's, getting that coveted piece of paper. So, um, ended up here at Liberty in September of last year. And my position was brand new at the time. So a lot of it's been, me navigating, you know, what does this look like with Liberty? Um, Prior to me starting our creative department consisted of a creative director and assistant creative director, um, which is pretty much it. And they hired two videographers right before I started in like June and July of last year. So this, this past year has been like fleshing out Liberty sports. And so I came on And they had not ever had anyone who was in charge of, you know, managing the day-to-day of social media. And honestly, social media, like I said, I've been all over the board with my positions and social media kind of came to me. I didn't have any like formal experience doing it aside from when I was with the Salem Red Sox and I'd done it briefly with Gopher Sports. Um, But it's one of those things where I guess I would say my communication skills and my writing skills and like just knack for or a desire to know popular culture and pay attention has been kind of how I got into this position for like a professional standpoint, rather just like my own personal account. So um, day to day, like I oversee all of our sports to an extent. I'm not constantly posting all of them, but I do a lot of it. A lot of our in-game live updates are me um, from across our different sports. I work with our SIDs. So we have an SID team and, and they are not, a, they're not expected to be creative minded or to do any of that stuff. They work with us and they're more than willing to do so, but that's um, not really their, their prominent role. So our team works with them, you know, giving them templates, you know, helping them with live updates helping take what they know from a statistical standpoint, making it fun and cool on social media and to help build Liberty's brand. So that's, I started off with like doing football last fall uh, and, you know, in the press box, doing all those sort of things, ideating with our team, you know, coming up with those things and then moving into basketball and all this chaos of super spring, which we are finally out of um where we had 19 of 20 sports playing at once (laughs) which was a lot (laughs) so those are finally wrapped up um we have a couple athletes competing right now in oregon for track and field but it's pretty much it so role i look at like analytics and numbers i put together our reports i'm involved right now with our nil stuff which a lot of schools are Either panicking or super prepared. I don't know where most of us are at. Sometimes I feel like we're prepared for it. And some days I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And so um, NIL stuff and getting our athletes ready for the shift in the marketing dynamic between, um, you know, our university branding and their personal branding. Cause I think that's the biggest thing is it's flipping 180 in such a short amount of time that athletes will now be the big brand you know, distributors versus us distributing the brand and them being kind of like underneath that umbrella. So that's a lot of what I do, you know, working with our videographers, making sure, you know, when they make a video that it's formatted correctly to go on social media, or, you know, we're going to post at this time, because this is when our fans engage, or um, I run our main account. So I'm the one finding the photos, captioning, copywriting, everything, um, and pushing it out. And it's, Uh, Not a nine to five job at all. (laughs) There's definitely been nights where I'm up to like one in the morning doing things and in this process was not a graphic designer had never touched premiere. Um, But since starting I've learned how to graphic design to a little small extent. Um, And I've learned how to navigate premiere and done some video things. I'm not a videographer by any standard, but I think that's just the nature of this role. Um, you know, creating and like being involved in the creation as well as the pushing it out on social media. So that's what I do day to day. Um, And then just putting out fires whenever those, you know, crop up from SIDs not knowing what to do or me not knowing what to do and finding other people to rely on to figure it out. So that's, that's where I'm at. (laughs) And it's been a navigation of me figuring that out. So I don't know the girl or guy who might come after me might have a different position or a different expectation, but that's what I've molded this thing
2: into. Yeah, that sounds like a awesome, like a a interesting thing to fall into just because of the craziness of this last year. But I think all social media managers should just automatically have five years more experience after this year, just seeing all of the craziness and every sport competing in the spring. Um, but you guys have had a pretty successful year um, on the court and on the field. Um, so just talk a little bit about your top experiences so far um, during your time.
1: Um, there's been so many um, and thankfully I've been able to either be a part of them in person or you know doing the like live social updates for them. Uh, starting it off, like, like you said, Liberty has had so much success this past year. Um, we won 10 conference titles, uh, which tied the rest of the conference in titles. So, um, Liberty popped off this year, which was really exciting to be a part of, and our football team saw huge success, you know, winning the Cure Bowl and going, um, was it 11 and one or 10 and one or whatever. We lost one game by one point. Um, And we're going to go, we finished in the AP poll in 17th place, which being a part of a football program that just like was so exciting every week and just keeping my eyes on social media every Sunday for like when the polls came out or when those things were being updated or the awards were coming out, you know, our quarterback Malik Willis um, is projected to go the first round this next year, which will it's huge thing for Liberty to be even part of that conversation as a non power five and as an up and coming non power five like not even a really well established name necessarily in that conversation but um, Virginia Tech when we, when we beat Virginia Tech I was in the press box in Blacksburg um, And as you guys know, probably know, you're not allowed to cheer in the press box. You're supposed to be very professional. And I struggle with that. I will be honest. I am a very expressive sports watcher. And so to be in the press box and to not like show any emotion is like the hardest thing in my life. Um, But when Alex Barbier made that field goal and we won the game, I had to like get up and like, I like started crying. I had to like get up and walk away. So I like sent the tweets did my thing and then just like walked away. Like I couldn't believe that Liberty had done this, like the underdog, all ESPN wanted to talk about before the game was Virginia Tech this, Virginia Tech this and Liberty was like, no, like we're gonna dominate. And we continue to do so for the rest of the year. And so that was that was number one. And then when we won the Cure Bowl, so like we got our Coastal Carolina game ripped from our hands because of COVID and we were supposed to have college game day show up in Myrtle Beach to cover that game. And then the whole team like went down with COVID, which I'll be honest, I think was a God thing because it ended up working out for us because we got to play them in the Cure Bowl instead. And I was at home with my family over Christmas um, and the rest of the team was in Myrtle um, covering the game. But I was live tweeting from my couch that game and I had the win graphic, the back-to-back champions graphic, just like, I didn't think we were gonna win that game. Like we dropped the ball, at the field goal line, they like it was recovered, and then we like blocked their kick that was like gonna win them the game, and like the, a block kick. I like Googled it. It's like in profession, like professional level, like statistically it happens like one percent of the time, and like we did it to win the game. And I, when I was like tweeting, I hit the, I screamed. My mom thought I was like being murdered upstairs. Screamed, and then I was shaking, like physically shaking, and I was crying, and I hit send. And like, even though I wasn't there, like just being a part of that and being a part of the team and the success was just like insane. So like, it was awesome to watch that. Um, Liberty making again, the NCAA tournament for March Madness. But I wasn't necessary. I wasn't there for any of that. But our softball team, I was there. I kind of took on softball this past year as my baby. I played softball growing up, loved college softball, um, loved the team. Um, we're coached by the GOAT, <laughs> Dot Richardson. If you guys don't know who she is, Um, she was the face of USA softball for a long time Um, and I went with them to Tennessee and when we beat Tennessee when we hit that Savannah Chanel hit a grand slam all of us beat Tennessee again another situation where I'm not allowed to cheer in the press box and it took everything in me to suppress my emotions Um, but we beat Tennessee in like against all odds situation you know the little underdog liberty comes in and like just destroys their opponent. So it's fun being a part of those sort of things and then being the team that I'm a part of, I would love I love boasting about them like we are all friends. We love each other, we care about each other and it makes our job so much easier because egos aren't necessarily involved. Like we understand that if something is like creatively not okay, it's not because we don't like you, it's because we want our brand to look the best. And so working with our friends, working with people who understand that our purpose is so much bigger than the time that we spend here at Liberty or the tweet that we send from the account is
2: incredible. So um, those are like my top moments. I love all of that. That just sounds like a incredible, incredible year. Um, So kind of shifting a little bit of just talking about your just general social media and creative, like design, like perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I was creeping in on your Twitter a little bit this afternoon and just like looking <laughs> oh, through some boy. stuff that you've uh retweeted recently <laughs> one of them was um um talking about building a brand is mm-hmm. much more than posting on social media mm-hmm. and I was like I just hit me um right where I I needed today and so just just talk about your just general perspective on this social media creative you talked a little bit about it and like how you guys took on this last year but um personally how do you approach all of well,
1: social media, from an, a branding standpoint, when you've got that little blue check mark, or you're representing, you know, something that's not you on social media, there is so much more of a thought process in what goes into the tweet that you're seeing or the video that you're seeing. You're telling a larger story. Like each post is not an island; it strings into you know, the bigger thing. And so I think of it as like content buckets. So I'll think like two, I think of social media as like two things from like a branding standpoint is like we have our content buckets, like the things that, you know, when you look at them, you're like, oh, that's Liberty. And if that's like our actual facilities, which like our fans love seeing that on social media, you know, the classic sunset pick over the ball field and all of those things, or if it's, you know, promoting and highlighting the achievements that we have From an athletic standpoint like we're having our gpa go out here tomorrow like our student athletes crush it on the field this year and in the classroom against all COVID odds right so like i think of these content pillars these content buckets when i put out content every day like is am i telling the story of liberty athletics or am i posting something that emily wideo wants to see and there are plenty times where i wish i could put out more content that looks like what emily wideo wants to see like i'm definitely a lot more quirky I love the funny stuff. I love, you know, the social media that kind of like either get, not like gets under your skin, but just kind of is like, like funny or like jabbing at you. But like Liberty takes a very humble approach. Like we are dominant right now, yet we also realize that like, that's not from necessarily from us. Like Liberty is a Christian university. Most of our like athletes and coaches, like by that. And like, we take the humble approach that these gifts and these talents that we are showing to the world are not our own. They belong to somebody else. They belong to God. And so like, we're just like, you know, holding that right now. And so like, when I'm on social media and I'm posting about that, like we definitely, I try to amp up, you know, the things that make liberty, liberty and not what Emily White wants to see. And then it, I also think of social media. I tell people this all the time is real estate. So my goal as a social media manager is to get my real estate on your real estate, which is like retweet, share, comment, or go and talk about us sort of thing. So when I'm doing it, I want it to be a part of the conversation. I want it to be reactionary sometimes. So like if you're watching a sporting event, people watch sporting events with their phones in their hands, like I do. Um, And I'm tweeting and conversating, conversing with, that's not going to (laughs) work conversing with people on the internet as i'm watching this thing and so if if i'm conversing with other people i can also converse with the brand um and i think a lot of brands are picking up on that um but not losing our dna of who we are as we do that so like i said my goal is to like put something out there that's you know relatable but also still our brand and so it takes a lot more work than just putting out a social media post like it takes a lot more forethought and it also takes times Like, I think the power of saying no is sometimes even more important than the power of saying yes. Because if you're curating a brand, you're not just throwing things up there for the sake of throwing it up there or because like it's been three days and we don't have anything. Like, I think sometimes that's okay. I think sometimes it's okay to go days without having content on there. If there's nothing really, if there's no purpose for you to put something up there, then like why insert yourself into the grander conversation if it's not really part of the conversation. So um especially in the summertime here, navigating that and being you know, creative. I think it gives us more time to think through things rather than being that reactionary. And so there's a time and a place for those types of things. And there's a time and a place for the things that take a little bit more time and thought process to throw up. But in the end, the, the framework that I go into my job every day is like, is this Liberty brand or not? I have a little PowerPoint deck that explains what our brand is or not, (laughs) Um, and then I post from it. And so that also, I think prevents people, if you have something like that, from getting in trouble on social media, where like somebody posts something and it's like, oh, you probably shouldn't have said that. Like we've all seen the tweets where someone posts something and then they're immediately like berated or shut down and then it becomes the internet laughing stock. Like that's how I avoid those kinds of conversations.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Like knowing, knowing what your brand is, I think is the number one challenge of social media. Cause yeah, at the end of the day, what are you posting and why? And does it have a purpose? Does it reach your audience? Yeah. All of those check boxes. And you don't want to be posting something just because it's popular
1: or, you know, like viral at the time. Like sure. Sometimes there's like times where you can jump on that and it makes sense to your brand, but just like, only posting those gimmicky things, especially from like a collegiate athletic account. I I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily part of the community building, but like I said, there's a time and a place.
2: Yeah, it, it's like, does that trend actually make sense with your brand? If it does, great and go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but my next kind of question with that is where do you get your inspiration when it comes to just the creative side. Um, what accounts do you follow? Um, what process do you go through to find an inspiration for what you're posting on social?
1: Oh, yeah. There's a lot of different places. I mean, I, like I said I, to you off guys, off camera, off recording, um, I follow a lot of like other brand accounts um, and I pay attention, you know, like what, how are they creating, how they're designing. I'm not like the main designer by any stretch. Um, If anything, I'm the one providing, you know, the funny memes or the silly things or integrating that. So adding more of that, you know, popular culture piece, um, in addition to, like I said, the average everyday, like university posting things, but um, I follow Skull Sparks, So shout out to Jason. Um, Many of us do, you know, seeing the inspiration in one place um, on social media and just like being in awe of the amount of creative talent that's out there. Uh, otherwise, a lot of times, I will be honest, I think of captions for tweets at like two in the morning and then I write them down on my little notes app <laughs> and save them for later. So like I said, a lot of my jobs like copywriting. And so I think a lot of it's just like I have, I get people all the time like, oh, how, like, how do you do this? I'm like, honestly, a lot of it just like comes to me or like, I just think of it as it goes, like in the moment, sporadic, which sounds really bad, but there really isn't anything that I like draw from, from that. Like I'm, like I said, I'm constantly perusing the internet and I'll see ideas and I'm like, oh, that's a really good caption idea. Maybe I'll store that for later for some other account. And like, I mean, that's part of the process of being on social media too. And like putting out content is like, we're all going to say like the same things over and over at some point, Um, but finding a way to like do it in your way or like in your brand. Um, So I'll save stuff, I'll bookmark things. And I'll be like, "Oh, that's really clever. How can we use it or repurpose it for Liberty?" Um, there's been, there was a couple of things that I did in the fall that were like, I didn't see any. I can't think of anything. It's, my brain's a little bit messy, but um, there are some times where I do think of things that are a little bit more um, not stolen or not repurposed. I would say like our team's pretty good at that, trying to you know think outside the box. We gather together as our little team. Um, once a week and we talk through like our weeks and I know like our video guys they like lay out stuff and you know they map it out like here's how we're gonna create this piece of content and then when it's done they're like here Emily caption it put it on social media (laughs) so that's where I usually come in from like that creative standpoint there have been times where I have like designed things and I do go perusing the internet I'm like oh I like how they like use that cutout. like I'll try something like that um, testing things out, but, um, yeah, a lot of it's just getting information from the rest of the internet, the rest of the world. I follow like other non-Power 5 schools. Um, I think I told you guys before, and he's the one, the reason I'm on this podcast is, um, Gage and the team at the Air Force. Uh, they're very, I love, 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 love their stuff. Um, and they've grown their brand immensely over the past Year because of their consistency and staying true to their brand and just being clean and like just just perfect I feel like (laughs) every time I see their stuff Um, but I follow a lot of major league baseball accounts Um, my favorite ones is the Marlins I love they're quirky and they're funny and I love that kind of stuff too Um, aside from you know the other teams that I'm like actually fans of but Yeah, drawing a lot of inspiration from the internet. Sometimes I have to like disappear and disconnect completely and like get my brain like totally empty. So I can approach this because like my coworker, Colin said, like creativity isn't something that just like comes to us all the time. It's not just this thing that's always on. Like we we have to like work for our creativity or step away to find it again. Otherwise we get burned out and then we're useless.
2: (laughs) Yeah, all right. I think all my captions lately have just been like uh, rip offs from TikTok memes. Um, so <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a process and I think coming up with captions is honestly sometimes harder or just as hard as creating the piece of content because it, it speaks by itself. Um, but kind of transitioning to a topic I love to, another topic I love to talk about is just uh, just the women in sports and just how awesome they are and why we should talk about them more. And we're recording this moments after the softball world series ends and congrats to Oklahoma on winning that, but just, just, I'm just going to leave the floor open. And I, I think you have a lot of passion and just a lot of, um, perspective on this topic and just why women don't just deserve a seat at the table, but they deserve to lead the conversation. And so just um, open that to just talk about whatever, you, wherever you want.
1: Yeah. So I actually, like I said, I'm in grad school right now. And my paper this week was on gender, um, race, and like all of those sort of topics in sport. And the conversation went back to, I mean, our class is set up. Do we Do we truly believe that sports are inherently forces for good and honestly this class is deconstructing it and the reality is is like no because if something is free to be good my person it's also free to be bad and so it's up to us the wielders of this this thing called sports to make it good and so making it good is also, you know, making space for women to be a part of it. And of course, we've been disadvantaged for a very long time. And part of the argument is because we don't play the sport. Therefore, we don't belong in that space. And I think there's some truth in, you know, having, you know, being like immersed in something and like having a different understanding. But I don't think that's a gatekeeping reason to keep women out of positions of leadership. Some of the the biggest like, like I said, the Super Bowl that came to Minneapolis and I'm sitting in this chair and I'm listening to these VPs in the NFL, like women don't play football and they're leading like every operational area in football. And that's because knowing football isn't necessarily a prerequisite to like running an organization or a business. Cause at the end of the day, that's what we're doing here. We're running businesses. Um, There's the magical side of these things, you know, playing them and like the essence of why many of us, you know, stick it out during the rough seasons of working in athletics and working in sports is because we believe in the magic and the power and like what it can do for our world. Um, and so having women a part of that conversation, like our world is comprised of both men, women. I mean, if you like, and just people in general. So all of these people should be represented if we're going to be creating a space where um, we're trying to make things welcome, like women should be a part of that. And so when it comes like women's sports, I just like the biggest thing right now is like women's sports don't generate revenue. Well, something can't be generating revenue if people don't know it exists. And that goes back to like, I get on my soapbox all the time or it's like, well, well that women's sport doesn't generate revenue. So we're not putting it on prime time. Well, like how would people know that that sports really that exciting or exists like softball, for example, right now, like so many people, I think got exposed to softball this year because other accounts started realizing like, okay, maybe this post might not have an ROI right now, but like the long-term investment and us like putting women's sports at the forefront will have immense, like immense amount of like return on investment. Like, Young girls are seeing this stuff. I see posts all the time. Like little girls are seeing other girls that look just like them on TV and like they're going outside and they're shooting hoops or they're heading to the batting cages to like pursue their dreams. And so I think it's inexcusable right now for like any marketing agency, any big name brand like ESPN Sports Center to say like women's sports don't provide us revenue when they haven't even really given them the chance or the foundation to do so. So I think like now is the time to capitalize on this and we're seeing glimpses of it that the more and more you expose someone to something, I think there's like, I forget the term, but it's like a a psychology term that like, the more you see something, the more you love it. Okay, so the more you put women's sports on TV, on social media, in front of my face, it's a generational difference. It's not gonna happen overnight, but hopefully over time, women are gonna let, or men and women alike are gonna like, want to watch these things. It's not that women's sports aren't competitive or exciting, they're different and like, that's okay. And so like, we should be celebrating the differences not expecting them to dunk like men in the NBA or to hit home runs, like major league baseball players. Like that shouldn't be the expectation and it shouldn't be the standard, but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve, you know, space on the TV or on your um, social media account. So I think just continually pushing that and just continually like getting, you know, women's sports in front of people's space faces is going to like totally shift and change. Like when I have children and like my daughters are growing up like i i have a feeling things are gonna look a lot different if we continue to do that
2: yeah i i've been very impressed with just everyone in the sports community especially women in the sports community speaking out because it's we've we've realized we have a platform and what's going on right now is not good enough and so um i I think I asked this question to some previous guests of what, what do you think right now, someone listening to this episode could do whether they're in sports, out of sports, whatever, um, to continue this process of recognizing women in sports. Um, Like what's one thing they can do in the next week to help um, this conversation move forward um, and help just, continue having those little kids watch um, people that look like them on TV and realize that sports aren't just for boys.
1: Yeah. I don't think the expectation should be like, if say if you're a man in sport and like, you don't necessarily like watching softball. Okay. Like, okay. Why? Like what, why? So like, I don't think the expectation should be though, that we like demand that everyone should love everything. I love everywhere. Like I don't love And the NBA that like, I'm not a huge fan of like professional basketball and I've watched plenty of it. Like, it's just not my thing. And I think that's okay. But I think like giving sports a chance. Um, so for people who have never had a chance, like have never truly sat down and watched women's sports, like, have you given it a chance? Have you truly given it a chance to like, like the same amount that you would give to like a, a man's sport and like, honestly, to not expect, Women's sports to be the, like I said before, like the exact same type of competition. Like men's sports are a little bit more, you know, rough and tough. Like that's just a part of our culture. Like football is like guys going at each other, high speed, high energy. Like you can have an like, and that's why people are like, oh, baseball is boring. I'm like, no, baseball isn't boring. Baseball is different. Baseball is methodical. Baseball takes details. Baseball is just as exciting, but like you need to like think of it. You got to put your mind in a different mind frame. So like give it a chance if you like don't hate it because it's a women's thing, you cannot like it because you might not like it. And like, that's okay. But I think for like expectations, like what can you do this week? Like as a woman in sports surrounded by a lot of men, there are still plenty of instances. I'm now going to switch gears a little bit more of like men who are aware of this kind of stuff to like call it out or to like champion women. And I think that's probably a very common answer, but like today I was in a meeting and you know, the guy caught himself that he cut me off and like stopped himself. And I was like super appreciative because in the past there have been plenty of times where like they just buzz by when Emily tries to say something. And so like someone to do that or to just acknowledge, like it takes, takes more mental energy, takes more work, but it's worth it in the end for those of us that the women in this space that want to stay in this space, many of us, you know, drop out because there isn't the same amount of support. So like over time, like I said, it's not gonna happen overnight. We've seen slow incremental changes. I think that's what's the nature of changing sports and women in sports is gonna be incrementally. So like giving women sports a chance before totally writing them off, like honestly sit down and watch a softball game and tell me it sucks because they're exciting. <laughs> and, like, and if you don't like it in the end, that's fine. Like I won't force you to, but like don't then go on the internet and knock them and say that they're worthless because to somebody else, like they they mean everything. So and then like when you are a man in the sports space and you have women around you, like the experience is very different. So like taking the time to understand it and to not just like brush us off because like we should be experiencing the exact same day-to-day as you guys, like sports are still started and predominantly done by men. And so like we're still existing in this very male-dominated male setup space. So Um, those are just some of the things and I'm so thankful for like the social media community and some of the men that I see on there that are like continuously championing women and women in sports like again social media is a huge part of our lives and I think that's a huge part of changing you know the nature and the culture around women and women in sports
2: yeah I think we've we've seen just a huge change in like the last year yeah because a lot of things got magnified like the all the stuff that was going on with women's basketball and NCAA and um, all of those kind of conversations I think I think I think you're right that's how change happens is so incremental um, throughout time Um, I think it all comes down to just us all respecting that we're all here and sports are better when women have a seat at the table women's sports make women in sports makes college athletics stronger. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just agree with everything that you were just talking about, but, um, do you have any other like closing thoughts on this, um, kind of set of topics? Um, no, not
1: necessarily. I think, I mean, I could get on a soapbox for a very long time about these kinds of topics when it comes to like, you know, race in sports, what we saw over the past year too with like kneeling and the national anthem and all those sort of things and like those kinds of conversations, but we can have those another time.
2: <laughs> also very, very important conversations to have. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, well with that, I'll put, give it back, uh, pass it back over to Scott's first, uh, kind of close us out.
0: Thank you to both Emily's um, and especially uh emily wideo for joining us today um i want to remind everyone to follow us on twitter and instagram at p5 mentality subscribe to and rate us on your favorite podcast streaming site and check out our blog on the power five mentality website remember power five is just a mentality <laughs>